0: Episode thirty-eight of the Metrofan TV Rundown. This episode wasn't lost in purgatory because you can't be stuck in purgatory if you couldn't get begin recording to begin with. Sorry for the technical issues with the you've been having the past couple of weeks, but hopefully, if you're listening to this, we're back and everything has been sorted, which is why we're speaking to you now. Lorenzo Fernando coming to you live after you know, I guess a pretty. You know, run-of-the-mill interim manager sort of uh, situation going on here <laughs> for the last three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling right about now, sir? How are you?
1: Yeah, doing all right. Just, you know, just surviving We're out of the zone. That's the most important thing. So just taking the games as they come, taking life as it goes. And uh, yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of basically sums up the uh, situation for the club right about now, right? I think uh, you're just kind of writing it out into the end of the season with an interim manager who, in the middle of like probably the most fake MLS season in the history of the league, and that involves all that fucking halfway-line bullshit penalty shootout shit that you had going on in the early <laughs> years, like all that fake nonsense, and just somehow manages to take the cake, right? So... I guess we'll look at the... I mean, just look at the big picture of the 20, of 2020, right? Like, um, <laughs> three or four-month disruption because of the public health crisis that we find ourselves in and seems to be continuing unabated. We finally fire the bin man who has been holding this club back for the past two years. And now, as I said at the top of the episode, just kind of riding it out with an interim manager who may or may not even be... Uh, managing this club by season's end, right? But more on that right after this. But oh, I think um, as far as I'm concerned for the rest of the year, I'm just going to come right out and say it right at the top of the episode. I'm just kind of not very interested in week-to-week results because the whole situation right now is so fucking fake and the season is so meaningless that I can't really get too plussed about the fact that we lost 3-1 to like Orlando City or that we won 4-1 against Inter-Miami. You know, I'm going to be quite frank about this. The results just don't really matter for the rest of the year. Uh, it's more of an opportunity then for us to kind of just um, take a, a look, I think, at the blocks that we have to build with for 2021 going forward. Right. I'm not so much plus on whether or not the team wins or loses week by week. I'm more interested in seeing how the players execute the overall system and philosophy that seems to be reinstituted under Bradley Cornell and we seem to be doubling down on with our next permanent managerial appointment which again we'll get to later in the week Uh, sorry later in the episode but I guess in the week as well judging from what Stephen Goff said but anyway um Bradley Cornell Right, I think a uh, interim manager named to be our interim manager uh, after Armus was fired. I think about a month ago at this point. Right, I think it's been about a month. Time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Without yeah. without having a fraud gym teacher like uh, ruining your club on a weekend on a weekly basis, but we don't really need to talk too much about that. Um, Bradley Cornell, right? Back to back to him. Nope. What I've appreciated about this 10 years so far is the ability to just see baseline EDS, right? I feel like there's been a coherent tactical philosophy that has been restored. We're starting to see tenants at the press come back. Obviously not everything's a bit of roses as some of these results have shown, you know, we've beaten pretty bad teams, which, you know, is good, but we've also lost some pretty good teams. You know, I think it's just also fine, you know, but the most important development of the Carnell of Cornell's interim, um, you know, uh, stint so far is, you know, again, the restoration of some of the um, tenets of the press that we're missing under Chris Armas. Right. You know, I think uh, we're, it's been nice to see that we can actually pile on goals again against absolutely mediocre teams. We're not just bunkering down after scoring the first goal and hoping to like grind out results by just housing our way through it playing like a bunch of fucking cowards, you know. Get one, get four is back. The underlying XG numbers, for all of those who put stock into it, I know not everybody who listens to this does, seem to support the fact that we as a team seem to be doing a good job at generating more um, chances in general, right? Which again, you know, kind of throws some doubt in my book on the idea that there isn't talent on this team. You know, I think it really lends credence to this whole idea that there is talent, right? That this team was punching well below its weight, so we're certainly not going to be like the all-conquering 2018 team, maybe, but we're definitely not also wooden spoon contenders, right? Which is what we almost look like at times playing under Chris Armis. You know, I think um, there's one thing that's been very clear so far, is that when you restore that tactical philosophy you know, and you restore players to roles that they're familiar with, suddenly everything starts to look okay again because players are playing roles that they're familiar with and they're executing things that bring out the best in your skill sets, right? So that's what I've kind of uh, appreciated so far about the Cornell era, you know. And uh, from there, it's a good opportunity to just kind of, um, you know, start measuring players up against the consistent benchmark once again. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Like, what's your take so far on the uh, games that we've seen under Bradley Cornell so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, look, it's this this ignoring the 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 the, the this team situation this year. Just in general, this is such a stupid, meaningless season. I'm sorry, I don't know how anyone could take this season seriously. You had some nonsensical fucking tournament down in Florida, where not even all the teams participated in but somehow those wins and points counts towards your season record. Then you have this phase one nonsense where it's basically a regional tournament. Then this new phase three nonsense, you're having Canadian teams calling Rebel Arena home. Like there's just some, some teams in the league have fans. Some don't have fans. You have teams playing in different stadiums. Like, no part of this season is legitimate. Please, please, I beg you people, understand. There is no part of this season that is legitimate. Whoever wins the Shield this year does not matter. Whoever wins the MLS Cup this year does not matter. It is meaningless. I don't care what anybody says. This season is completely fucking stupid and it's meaningless. Now that that's out of the way, and I, I feel like we've talked about this so much over the years that people get hung up too much on like individualism when it comes to players, right? Oh, this player is the great, this player is great. This player is great. Okay, cool. But like outside of maybe like the best 3%, maybe 5% of players, I'm talking even at a high level, there are certain players that have certain characteristics that fit certain styles of play. You could take the biggest clubs in the world and all yell at them, oh, why didn't you get blah, 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 player? Oh, why didn't you get blah, 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 you know, blah, player? You guys had the money, but you didn't get him. You got blah, blah, person instead. But it's simple. Every proper club is played with some type of identity, some type of tactical identity and, and, and tactical system. And if you're a team that wants to play just super possession, you have to get certain players who... Have those skill sets who who have the characteristics who can play like really, really good possession football. If you have guys who you want to play out the back, you have to get guys who can do that. If you want uh, a a counter-attacking team, you have to get guys. Doesn't high press, mid-block press, whatever it is. There's so many styles of play, and you have to get guys who fit your vision, who fit that style of play. Okay? Now... With this team, especially how this team plays, and really all the rebel clubs play, it is such. It's always been for a while a very, very aggressive style of of a press. Even if it's pressing from uh, from a mid block, the aggressiveness and and uh, of the press has always been higher than what most clubs, uh, what what other clubs will play. But that's not even the only part. The other part too is the transition. The transition is probably the arguably the most important part. Because without without the transition to presses, you're just pressing just to press. It's meaningless. And this that's what we saw under Chris Armis for two years, pressing just to press, right? So if you've assembled a group of players to win, to play with a specific identity and a specific style, where you want them to press aggressive, again, whether it's playing hide like we were in 2018, or even a little bit more of a mid block how we're playing now you want them to press but you want them to be able to transition quickly you want them to understand the the, the press triggers yeah you, ha- you want them to understand what the meaning of being compact is in the context of how this team wants to play in pressing but and also transition you have to get guys that have certain skill sets that's just a fact this isn't like that's not even a debatable thing that's just how it is unfortunately when you did, when you drastically detach from that and all of a sudden you have a group of guys who really just have certain skill sets for a certain style of play and all of a sudden you want them to start playing Tiki ticket I mean, what, what, what do you expect? You, you can't take a NASCAR and throw it on a fucking dirt track and, 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 and expect, you know, and not make any changes and expect brilliance. You can't take an F1 car and throw it on a, on a, you know, on a, on a rally course and expect great things. Every, you know, there's, there's identities and skill sets that, that, that players have to play certain things. And unfortunately, Chris detracted so much from how that roster was assembled, we saw what we saw. Certain players who, who, who looked so good in 2018 especially, all of a sudden looked like bums. We ragged on Parker hard last year, mostly because unless he is being asked to just basically not think, He's not a good center back. He's not. He, he can't play at a traditional center back role. But when you're asking him to emergency defend and be very light under distribution and certain other things, he can be good. And the moment Carnell took over, all of a sudden Parker starts looking good again. Magic. Gaku, another one. Chris had him playing deep for so many of the games. He's not a guy that you want to play you want playing sitting deeper. You want him being involved in the attack. All of a sudden, Carnell takes over, and 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 he's working his magic again. I mean, the list goes down. Literally, just uh, just about every single player has seen, at the very least, a moderate uptick in their individual performances. So, like you said, right now we're back to a baseline. This is about as perfect of a situation as we can have realistically in this kind of situation where it's it's he's not our manager he's not the team's manager he's he's a substitute he's he's the interim he's like, he's interim like that's it he's not gonna be coaching his team a couple of months down the road he's not gonna be the manager of the, of the team next year but because he's kept things simple because he's playing he's having the tactics set up in a way where it's base again it's baseline. The team should be doing certain things by default. You should be pressing aggressively, you should be transitioning aggressively. You should, you know, better pressing triggers. Like there's certain things that they should be doing. And as long as you're doing that, you're going to be okay. And that's basically what what we've been. The team's been okay. When you when you're playing at your baseline, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have games where you win 4 to 1 and you're going to have games where you lose against a good team at that cuz it's weird saying it but Orlando's a good team, they're going to lose against them 2-1, to 3-1. to one. It, It's going to happen. The most important thing is the bigger picture. People are so fixated on these individual results, they're meaningless. Because besides the fact that this is a meaningless season, the team's basing a limbo. They're waiting for the future. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm not going to say his name to jinx it, but hopefully he is in fact announced on Monday. And we will see that ambitious manager... Finally, take them from that baseline. Do his little magic touch, and we'll actually start seeing meaningful, meaningful soccer again. But until that happens, none of this matters. And just enjoy these fake games on a fake season, and that's it. At least we can enjoy it now. At least you can watch the games and not be pissed and annoyed because of just how garbage they looked because of the way they were being asked to play. At least now you can watch a game, and hey, we might win four to one. We might lose 3-1, to one, but you know what? At least the games are going to be entertaining.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, when you talk about the restoration of certain tenets, right, I think um, to tend to touch upon this point a little bit, like uh, credit to Bradley Cornell. You know, I think has certainly gotten a play- in playing, as you mentioned, like a good baseline level of energy drink soccer. You know, I think uh, as we saw against Inter-Miami, like even when they're on the ball, the passing has been purposeful. Because we're starting to see a lot of that off-space manipulation restored to the team once again. You know, under Armas, where you just had like two or three flat lines of like a dude just kind of standing in the middle of the field and not really moving or doing anything to manipulate the ball and ar- to manipulation the ball in and around the field to trigger the press. Well, you're starting to see more purposeful movement now, right? Even like I mentioned, even when we're on the ball, the way that we build up, right, is purposefully done in order to have uh, our opposition cluster up in a certain part of the field in response to our movement so that we can continue to trigger, so that we can trigger the immediate counter press, like right? in the event that we lose the ball or we create a 50-50 situation, right? The way that we move the ball and attack nowadays is such that we are in a good position to immediately challenge for the ball in the event that we turn it over which probably happens quite a lot because the whole point of the attacking thing, in build-up under Red Bull is to create a lot of 50-50 situations, right? Which is why you start to see a lot of crosses into the box because headers away create a lot of 50-50 situations. You see it again, you know, against, like I said, against uh, Miami, the heat map proved this, right? You saw how much we clustered up into right side of the field like we did under Jesse Marsh. You know, that's an indication that we are compressing Play to that part of the field, so that we can use the right-handed sideline as an additional man, and then immediately attack the opposition as soon as uh, you know uh, the the ball is lost. You start to see a lot of that. It's just very quick vertical um, movement, right? Like the balls being moved up the field quickly and vert- a lot of vertical passes. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's a, sort of a huge thing about like how Red Bull teams attack when they're on the ball. You know, it's none of
1: this. Real, real quick, I just want to I just want to add to that because I mean, that's a very, very, very good point. I feel like that is one of the 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 easiest tweaks to see, but also one of the most significant because one of the problems that we would see, we would complain about this all the time, is even when they were pressing aggressively, as soon as they won the ball back, they just slowed down. And and we know for a fact, we know for a one hundred percent fact. They were instructed to do that because we heard Chris Armas himself say it multiple times in videos. Players openly said that that's what they were being told to do, and that is—I mean—that's that, just not what—that's not Red Bull Soccer like at all. But now you're seeing that quick transition where as soon as they get the ball, not only are they, are they quickly trying to just advance the ball forward, but you see so many more bodies pushing forward forward in the attack. That game against. Uh, against Miami, man. I mean, shit, there were times you'd see five, six guys, you know, a five on, five-on-three type of situation. That's how we should be playing. And even in moments, another key thing is, even in moments where where we won the ball a little deeper, instead of trying to just play the ball out, if they knew they didn't have any outlets, they, you started seeing a little bit more of what they were doing a lot in 2018 where just just send the ball. It doesn't even have to be an accurate pass just send a bitch further up the field. So that way it creates another moment for us at the very least to press and regain possession closer to a uh, closer to goal and go right to it as opposed to, Oh, there's no outlets. Let's just, you know, ping the ball back and forth and just kind of figure shit out like they were doing on my Chris Armas.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, 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 that's sort of like goes into this whole idea of, and it harkens back into the whole idea of, um, you know, uh, the, the idea that the press in itself is meaningless, right? If you do not catch the opposition, if you do not take advantage of the fact that the opposition has been caught off guard by these turnovers, right? You're supposed to immediately surge into the open space like that opens up behind them as soon as you win the ball back in the press. You're always looking to play the ball up the field as quickly as possible because that's how you streak away, right? Like that's just basically how it is. You know, like, none of this slowing the ball down because that allows the opposition blocks to recover and reset. And you lose all of the advantages of space creation that the press affords you. You know, so I think credit to Carnell. The so, attacking movement so looks they, great. So they should be playing yeah. slow but fast? What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you, you don't remember, you don't remember that, that 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 fucking nonsense that Chris would, uh, would say, uh, he said a couple of times? To, to make sure you're playing slow but fast or was it fast but
0: slow or I, I, some stupid shit? I've completely erased all memory of Chris <laughs> Harvest from my brain because I would, I, I would prefer not to um, permanently relitigate the last two years of my life. Uh, well, I mean in a soccer capacity anyway. But um, yeah, no, I do not have recollection of that. Thank goodness. Some of us still go to bed at night uh, with a calm conscience and a sound peace of mind. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean like uh, as I said, you know, I think um I can definitely say i uh, like uh, on the standpoint point that, you know, I think credit to Carnell. You know, I think the attacking movement looks a lot more coherent. The underlying XG numbers, like like I said again, like definitely support that. That of course is not all a bit of roses, right? Because I still do think that this is a bit of a work in progress team. Uh the defensive shape, I think, as we saw today against Orlando, still definitely needs a bit of work because uh I think um and this is going to be tying, I think, again, into uh, um, you know, this idea about how, what the next manager is going to be doing with regards to his formations, right? But I think um, today against Orlando, I, didn't, I admittedly didn't watch the game because it came on at like 4 a.m. here and I literally woke up like half an hour ago when we recorded this episode. Um, but it seems like we were playing a three-man back line, right? And it seems, you know, I think um, from that standpoint, that we still are trying to learn tenets, you know, of uh, that P- guys are still trying to figure out their roles in a three-man back line, right? Which has important implications because our next manager has a tendency to switch between four- and five-man back lines, you know, like I think as we did under Jesse Marsh. But, you know, I think um, it's clear um, um, I think uh, the hypothesis that you can definitely take away from this is that we weren't so much a bad team. Like it's not so much uh, a situation where it's, uh, certain New York sports media writers said that we are a bad team with a good manager that's, pe- that's making the most out of the pieces that he was given. I mean, throw that take in the bin. You know, we knew that it was fucking stupid when it was written and it looks even mm-hmm. stupider now, you know? I yep. mean, it's very clear to me that there is talent on this team. It was being inhibited by the manager, you know? Oh, like, because as, as it turns out, when you have players not playing the tactical system that they were brought in to execute, the whole thing's going to look like shit. So I think um, my scorecard, basically, looking at the baseline EDS um, that Carnell has this team playing, is that, you know, we have good attacking talents. Um, But we also definitely need some defensive reinforcements. I also think the midfield combination hasn't really been figured out yet, Uh, which kind of brings me to my next point, which is uh, evaluating players that we can build on for twenty twenty one going forward. And I definitely do think uh, that one guy who's stood out so far, you know, I've definitely been quietly impressed by what Drew Yearwood brings to the midfield. You know, I think he's got. It's every note how every time he steps into the field, we restore some semblance of balance to that midfield, right? I think uh, he's been quietly. I think uh, you know his uh, his ability to cover ground in the midfield, but also shuttle the ball up and distribute. You know, I think that's all very that's all very good. You know, I think it's not going to be Tyler Adams probably. But you know, if he's a more mobile version of Sean Davis, I mean, that's a that's a piece that you can build on. Yeah, right. A more mobile version of Sean Davis with a wider passing range. I mean, that's an improvement. I would certainly say, oh. right? Um, Especially if you're not going to have a committed like midfield destroyer next to him, like he did with Tyler Adams. Um, I think. Um, also, I think one player who's quietly uh, staked the case for his future, Sean Nealis. Right. I think. Um, might yeah, have, yeah. Third... He's been, no, he's been Solid, yeah, solid. Yeah, oh, no, I was
1: because he's been solid. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. You know, I think he's more or less staked to claim for that third center back role. Uh, the book on him was definitely he had the potential to be kind of like a budget Tim Parker, and you kind of see that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like, uh, you know, he's looking looking a lot more lean, looking a lot more trim. He's moving around the field quite comfortably. He looks like a guy who kind of understands his role in this tactical setup, right? And he's now playing a lot more confidently. You know, I think I'm definitely would be comfortable with him, like as maybe the third or fourth center back in the MLS roster going forward. You know, definitely stick to place for himself. And one other guy, I think definitely, you know, I have to shout out Manny Egbo. You know, I think uh, been more or less buried on the bench uh, the past the past uh, couple months or so, and has emerged late on to probably be. Prob- I would say. One of the more tantalizing talents at fullback that we currently have. You know, uh, he's not going to be Amir Mario. I think we're going to be a while before. It's probably going to be a while before we see another player like Amir Mario uh, suit up for this team. Uh, he doesn't quite have that silky one-on-one dribbling skills and ability to attract defenders to him like Mario does. But what Egbo does is that he's got a really good cross. I'll be very good. He can ping in a pretty good ball, and. He runs the channels well enough, you know, that he provides uh, enough of that width, I think, that we were missing from our fullbacks, right? Because I think if you look at our other options this year, Penn Daunt has been, I mean, I guess he's been all right, just serviceable, but not really doing anything to really stand out one way or another. And Kyle Duncan is definitely, I think at this point, looks like a defensive first uh, option, Uh, you know, and definitely shouldn't be playing out there at left back. But that's besides the point. I think, you know, Egbo staked himself a claim. I think he should probably be the starting right back going forward. I'd like to see him get more reps there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, you know, just based on the baseline that we've seen so far, we definitely have a whole bunch of building blocks that we can play with uh, going forward. And uh, just seeing this baseline system that Carnell's put in place, yeah, you know, definitely, uh, so yeah. definitely not a lack of talent in uh, the no. soundest team. I don't think no. it's not 2015, uh, but we're also not fucking yeah. like the Colorado Rapids. Like some people like to make us have to be
1: seriously. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's important to mention that, you know, anyone that's actually listened um, to us just bullshit, you know, for, for 39 episodes now they've, they've heard us complain quite a bit about holes in a roster, even since the beginning of shit, even since, 2018 i mean in the midst of our shield run and all the glory that we had that year we were still complaining about you know lack of full full back depth and you know we were still you know a little questionable about the center back depth and going into 2019 it was the same you know we we more than brought up our concerns with 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 uh with the roster and we definitely felt there were holes so this idea that that you know oh everyone who you know who only wanted to blame you know armis and you know Pretend like 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 you know the roster's perfect. Whatever, absolutely not. There are, there have been holes in this roster, even in our best year we ever had, and we've we've talked about that quite a bit. Um So I mean, even still, there there are definitely some holes in a roster. But I do think we have a good a good group. I think we can. I think the goal should buy it buy it. Hopefully he comes, and hopefully he comes soon, and hopefully. This is basically an extended preseason for him, where he can kind of just take uh, whatever's left of this fake season, just as a baseline, like just a general, uh, uh, God, what brain fart was we're looking for? Um, evaluation period for certain players, Hmm. um, and really just kind of, I guess, make like just kind of decide who what is a core group. That we want to build around, and we want to build, maybe not build around, but a core group that we want to build with. Because um, I, I don't, I'm a little hesitant on the idea of build around, just because the whole concept of of this system is to not build around any specific player. You build around an identity, and you build around a playing style, and you plug in the, you know, you plug in guys who fit that. Um, and that, and that's why 2018 worked so well for us, even when we didn't have our best players in the field, because you know, the, the system was working, you know, that, 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 concept was working at a really high level. Um, but uh, I, I'm all that said, I feel like I'm a little hesitant. I'm actually very hesitant on being too critical on certain guys just because it's hard to kind of judge a player when you've had Chris Armis as the manager for as long as he was basically rotting away at the talent of some of these players. Um, but also now they're kind of a limbo, right? I feel like we've seen such a, a, a change. I feel like every game we're seeing a new back line, not just in terms of the shape, but in terms of the guys there. And we're and I, and I feel like that's going to kind of be the situation for probably at least another month. Or probably Really, how much is many anymore? Actually, it's fucking October. How much more of this stupid season do we even have left? The season's basically done by the end of the month, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, so,
1: I mean, I, I, I just realized this, Jesus Christ, it's October 3rd. What the fuck?
0: It's October okay, 4th. Okay, so, yeah. 3rd. It's kind of scary. <laughs> well, you're in the future, so.
1: Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, to, even then, it, actually, that's kind of weird because that, that changes, I guess, a little bit of my perception of how much time he's even going to realistically have to evaluate guys because you figure, let's say they announce him on Monday. He comes here in the middle of the week. It's it's You would assume there's going to be some kind of, I guess sh- even it's a shortened quarantine process. I, I don't think they're just gonna be like here, you know, grab the pen and paper and oh, actually, you know, would be really cool. You know, be fucking amazing. What? And it got guys. If anyone at Rebel, if you guys are listening to this, please, please do this. Okay, the Pope Mobile, but the Red Bull Mini Coopers that are always parked in front of Red Arena.
0: Oh my God, you're fucking. with the me. manager
1: inside, that's where he quarantines. <laughs> Dude,
0: dude, come, come on! on. You, know, you know, how we were joking a couple of years ago how Dome Torrent would be coaching via the, uh, you know, like those video screen like robot receptacles. Yeah. I think it's time to test those out uh, with the with, uh, with the next manager from Austria. We'll, we'll be getting to him in a bit, but uh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> this is the future. But, of um... but anyway.
1: Yes, I mean, I don't. I guess, I guess the window is even shorter than I initially thought for for how much he could potentially evaluate. Which, I mean, is what it is. But for me, the point is, there's not much left of this fake season, right? And there's not much tangible things you can even achieve at this point with such, just kind of being in limbo, right? And 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 just always kind of changing things. And I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure it's even possible just because there's gonna be such, there's such tight schedule congestion. You're never going to be able to lock down a set set of guys. Like if this is the middle of the season, that's different. You have a little more time to maybe settle on. Okay. You know what? This is just, these are the guys. Like this is our back four. This is our back three. We're just going to roll with this man. And, and, and that's it. And when we, when we lose, we lose fine. But we have such a tight schedule coming up. That back line is going to look different every fucking game. And yeah the back line is so crucial to how this this team plays, whether you're playing in a mid block, but especially if you're playing high up the field. So it's tough. And you have a game like today where Carnell flat out said that he put Egbo as one of the center backs to basically provide cover for Duncan when Duncan was pushing up to attack. And I understand the logic behind that, but I'm not quite sure Duncan is the kind of player you make that kind of sacrifice for. And that's not a disrespect to, to Duncan at all. Because I, while I do think maybe he's kind of declined just a little bit, I also feel a bit of that is the Chris Arbus effect, but also kind of this limbo effect. I feel like since he's really kind of been pushed back after he got hurt, We haven't seen him in his best position being used the right way. Like, I don't know if we've actually seen the best of Duncan. Or at least not consistently to be like, okay, you know what? No, this works. This definitely doesn't. The only thing that definitely doesn't work is they got to stop with this left-back experiment. And and that's triggering me the fuck to hell because we've been complaining about the left-back position and the left-back depth position. Since fucking 2018. And and we're still doing this Duncan and left back shit. And that, to me that's unfair to Duncan. Because he is not a left back. No, he he's is. not. I don't care how much they try. He's not a left back. He's not. Period. He's just not. So like I feel bad for the guy. Because he's constantly being put in kind of shitty situations. That make him look worse. And I can appreciate Carnell maybe saying you know what. He is actually pretty. He's no Amir Murillo. But he is pretty good. You know. Pushing forward, I don't think he can do both consistently in the same game. Like, if you're going to say, okay, you know what, just focus more on the attack, he'll probably do better. Or, you know what, just focus playing strictly defense, you know, more defensively, he'll do better. But if you ask him to be in a mirror where you're doing both pretty well, I that's when he kind of starts slipping up. So he's kind of like on the edge for me. But I do think maybe he's just slightly over criticized because I just he's he's low key one of one of the the one of the players kind of fucked over the most by this whole armist debacle. Because if you remember, he was used a little bit for uh in I think the beginning of twenty eighteen when Jesse was still here and he was he looked good and then he got fucked up in an Orlando game and we didn't see him for the rest of the season. So that was a big missed opportunity to really see what he's actually capable of. And then by the time he's come you know, he comes back and ready, you know, look look who's look who's telling him to do things. So um I'm, I don't know. Niels is a you. You brought up Niels. Niels is a is a perfect example of how tactics and a manager can completely change can uh, completely change a player. Asking Niels to do what he was doing last season and, and early parts of the season under Chris, absolutely not. He's not someone that you can be like, dude, build out the back, have fun. No, absolutely the fuck not. But if you want him or if you want to use him as you said, a budget Parker, that's perfect. Just do, just play up, don't be stupid, run, try not to actually kill someone, but maybe a little bit when an emergency defending, you know, like just, just basic shit, just a budget Tim Parker. He's fine. He's perfectly serviceable. He'll never be, you know, along or, or even Parker for that matter, playing as, as peak EDS as we can. But I think he actually has a future as being a very reliable, solid third or fourth uh, fourth option. And that suddenly became a possibility because the tactics changed. He was okay-ish, I guess maybe a little bit in the last couple of games on Armish, just because there were some games I guess where he was maybe pushing up a little bit, but for the most part he looked like shit. But the team looked like shit because the tactics were shit. So, I feel like there's, just, there's a long list of players that I feel like they're bubble guys. And maybe they shouldn't be bubble guys, but they are because They've just been dragged along for, for a season and a half under a manager who had no fucking clue what he was doing and had no clue what players he had and had no idea how to utilize them in their best way. So unfortunately, I think we're going to end up seeing some guys who will never see the best of them and that it's going to part ways. Um, or maybe we did see the best of them and, and they kind of go. But I feel like maybe that core group is going to be a little bit smaller than a little bit smaller than uh, uh, than we thought, but I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, Carnell I think has done a, a, a decent enough job so far. You can't ask too much of him, and and you know, it's just uh, yeah, I, let 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 this guy come in and, and and work his magic and make his decisions. I mean, I just it's hard for me to to really you know rate and rank or judge too many players just because uh, again to wrap it up, yeah there. He had a manager who didn't know what the hell he was doing, and I have a manager who's just kind of bringing things to a certain base level of of playing, and that's not always, you know, kind of conductive to certain players just because how tight this fake season is is kind of turning out to be. So, is what it is, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, we'll probably have to get into the uh, nitty gritty of uh, the keep, cut, and uh, yeah, the keeps and cuts. I think uh, later on this year. uh, Whenever this uh, fake season comes to its uh, merciful end, because seriously, I mean, like, does anyone really care at this point? Like, I'm not really, like, fucking hand wringing over the fact that we're going to make the playoffs or not at this point. I'm just glad that Chris Arbus is gone. So... I guess without further ado, um, we'll we'll touch upon uh, the big news, right? Which uh, I think this uh, episode was positioned as, which was a look towards the future. Because, as we know, Big Kev making a ton of moves. And there has been a ton of smoke, I think. I wouldn't even really say smoke at this point. Like, it's a full-on, like... uh, I would say it's probably like a full-on barbecue, really, because it seems to be 99.9% done at this point, thanks to that tweet from uh, Stephen Goff. But, yeah, like I said, you know, um, Kevin Thowell, big priority, the next manager. And we have had had two names bandied around so far, one, of course, being a former Braga and Boa Vista manager, uh, Jorge Simao, who was last seen uh, coaching in Saudi Arabia. But the bigger name, The name that I think I'm probably more intrigued in is none other than former Liefering manager Gerhard Struber, currently of Barnsley FC in the league championship in England. And I'm telling you right now, everyone, I have talked myself so hard into Gerhard Struber as our next manager that I would be fucking depressed, like, catatonically distressed, right? <laughs> if he is not our next manager at this point, because the significance of appointing the Austrian as our next manager implies so many exciting things about our future. This is, of course, talking exclusively in best-case scenarios, but it's okay to dream every once in a while, you guys, that I can't, like, begin to comprehend just what a what a perfect you know appointment it would be, because it means we're doubling down on youth development. It means we're doubling down on EDS. It means that we'll probably be playing that fucking high octane like Salzburg four four two diamond slash um three five two system that he's developed now at Barnsley here, and you saw how lethal it was when Marco Rose, who was the who was the Salzburg manager during the time when uh, Struber was at Liefering? Brought Salzburg to, I think, uh, the semifinals of uh, the Europa League, I think it was, right? That one year before they yeah. lost to Marseille. You saw how dynamic and exciting that team was. I mean, like, oh my fucking God. If you are like a EDS acolyte, like, you'd probably be like rabid at the mouth waiting for this guy to become our next manager. I am so fucking jazzed, okay? Like, if he sucks ass and, like, turns out to be – turning this team utterly shit, I'm going to look so ridiculous in, like, about a year's time from this episode. But I'm fucking telling you, man, like, on paper, this is such a great appointment. I am so – You know, like, this is 2018 right here. (laughs) You know, like... <laughs> look. I mean, like, I'm fully aware of the fact, like, if I'm going to make myself sound like an asshole, it might as well be over things like this. You know, I mean, like, I'm just, mm, I cannot, cannot, cannot wait. I will be so upset if it's not Struber as the next manager at this point. Um, uh, so, uh, that being said, um, I'm going to stay store my fan fiction folder just a little bit because I think it's good to give a bit of an overview about what to expect from, uh the potential appointment of uh, Struber as our next manager. I mean, I think, as I said, you know, former Leaf ring manager. So he's got a um, track record of developing young talent. Like the anything about Leaf ring to understand, none of those players for the majority of the part are over the age of 20, right? So developing teenagers to fit the Red Bull style of play, right? Big. Um, has had... His uh, tactical training, I think, uh, is from the, from the Salzburg School of EDS, you know, so potentially playing that Marco Rose system. Great. Amazing. Like, I'd love to see that here. Uh, and then the key thing is that he's managed to institute the system at the various appointments that he's been um, that he's taken on since leaving the Red Bull global family. Right. I think he was at Wolfsburger in the Austrian it, 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 yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He was he was there in the Austrian First Division, implemented the system there. Beat Marco yeah. Rose, by the way. Beat his Montreal oh, yeah. team while he was managing there, and then was brought in for a very big sum to go to Barnsley, where he did the exact same thing with a team that was completely like not immersed at all in the EDS philosophy. Saved them from, reg- from relegation in the league championship. It basically indicates a whole lot of things. You know, the guy knows his shit. He knows how to execute this um, system with whatever resources that he has at his disposal. And the most important thing is that he's got a he's got a track record of fitting those players into the system. You know, which goes which you know adds a lot to his uh prior track record developing a lot of those young prospects at Liefering who have gone on to do things for Salzburg and even Leipzig right and other clubs all around Europe you know you talk about how much Salzburg has been a talent factory for the european game over the past few years i mean when you put all of that together like dude man like again i i cannot wait to see what a guy like that can do with the back with Uh, you know, the full backing of the resources in New York. You know, I think um, it also tips a lot potentially as to what Thelwell sees this club as, you know, and I think uh, basically indicates to me that, you know, all that lip service, no, sorry, all that talk about uh, wanting to uh, align the club back with the global identity, wanting to restore those uh, fundamentals, right, of the global philosophy, none of that was lip service, you know? Like, it's a doubling down in EDS. It's a doubling down on developing um, youth. It's a doubling down on turning guys into, you know, potentially creating the stars of tomorrow, right? And that's the big thing. You don't need to spend a ton of money on stars now if you can make those players into stars. You know, simple as that. Like, I cannot wait. I hope the announcement comes in on Monday, like, Goff basically tweeting it out at this point basically means it's like 99.9% confirmed. If it's the yeah. 0.01%, I am setting myself on fire outside of Red Bull Arena <laughs> because that would be a travesty. <laughs> I would look so stupid. I would probably, I'm would i probably sounding really stupid now because the guy hasn't even fucking like stepped on the touchline in New York. But if he does, I think, if my hunch is correct, Pretty big if, because a lot of soccer is actually seeing what happens after they kick the ball. But going based on track record and history, this is a pretty great appointment. What do you think? I'm going to stop talking for a bit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, for for
1: one, the uh, uh, the fact that this guy... I feel like this I feel like this conversation because conversation can, can, can go a million different directions. I'm sure eventually will. Um, but people love to talk about ambition, ambition, ambition. And for unfortunately too large of, of, of a portion of the fan base, to so them ambition is you know signing whoever the fuck from Europe that's thirty four, you know, and, and has played a couple of champions league games or you know, eighteen million dollars. It doesn't matter who the player was. Doesn't matter. Just oh my god, eighteen million dollars. On a manager side, it's you know, it's fucking De board, that that fraud fuck who is exposed yet again. That loser piece of shit. Um, <laughs> you know, like that's ambition, and it, it's insane to me because you know, ambition, the for one, is relative, right? And, ambition's relative to to. To uh, to to just whatever it is, whatever your situation is. I mean, I I, I can be ambitious, but you know, I, I have certain realities of my life. Um, this team has a very very specific identity, and it's clear that they felt the person who was leading this team uh, detracted from that way too much, and they want to bring this team not just back in line, but if disappointment happens, they're going all in. I mean. For all the talk about, about Leipzig, I mean, uh, you can make a very strong argument that Salzburg is the flagship club. They make an obscene amount of money from transfer fees. That is a fucking factory. That is just a complete fucking factory of quality young players. It's disgusting how good they are of it. You know, the, they outspend all the teams in Austria because they fucking think they'll still sell a hundred million dollars worth of players. So yeah, of course they're gonna go and spend another yeah thirty or forty million or some shit. But like, do people think they're spending thirty and forty million dollars on like big names? Fuck no. they are spending thirty, forty million dollars on a bunch of like randos, a bunch of random people. Who the fuck knew who Kaido was when he was with Salberg? Salzburg. Not a goddamn person. They didn't know who the fuck he was. We could have gotten him back in what twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. I guarantee you all the nerds all the old head nerds would have been pissed off because they didn't know who the fuck he was. And if you look at the kind of players that, that, that go through Salzburg and you look where they started within their system, this guy had his hands on a lot of those players. He, had, he, he developed, and I actually developed, not polished, but developed. And I think that's a very important distinction that I think too many people mix up. You don't develop a 24-year-old or a 23-year-old. You polish them you develop an 18 19 20 year old i think and if you look at the age group of the last year when he when he was a manager for uh uh for Lifering the oldest player was 22 which was only one 22 year old there was 121 year old everyone else was under 20 actually there was two 20 year olds and then everyone else was like 19 18 and 17 and they were a good team they did, they finished i think they're like a mid table team but i mean they're literal kids and older teenagers playing a bench against a bunch of grown ass men, and they did well. They did very well, and a lot of those players he eventually made their you know they progressed uh, uh, their way up and 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 getting yeah you know, they're making their way uh, to Salzburg or end up getting sold yet you know, to some, uh, to somewhere else in Europe. So this guy knows how to actually develop and not just develop random players, but actually develop good high level players who, who make you know very good careers in uh, uh in, uh, in Austria. But at the same time, he has high expectations. He has high standards. This is someone who at the highest level understands what this club's identity is supposed to be, what the style of play should be. And he is going to do whatever the hell he has to do to make sure that this team lives up to that. And for me, that's like, there's not much more you can really ask for your manager. Nothing's guaranteed, right? So all you can do is hope that you build a system that's real, that's tangible, that's exciting, that can, that can actually work. And in this case, a proven system that works. Then the next step is to get someone in who can, who can make that happen on the field. And if you can get someone who's obsessive about that identity, like a Jesse Marsh, you get Jesse Marsh things. You get 20, 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018. And it's continuing with his career. Look how good he's doing with Salzburg because he's obsessed with this shit he he truly believes in in this club's in this club's identity and what they want to do not just about youth either but just the style of play and how that youth integrates into that style of play because a big reason why they go after a lot of these young developed players is because it's such a unique style of play if you can get a lot of these high level high quality players who have the 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 basic characteristics of a planet you need you can then develop them into that perfect fucking you know into that perfect tool that you need to perfect that perfect system that you've created and you again you see that churn in salzburg it is instead of pace is a fucking factory of just complete like just full-on eds it's a beautiful thing and the, 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 the idea that we might get that here is fucking awesome. It's so fuck that to me that's ambition. Getting him is ambition. Getting that, that, that scumbag owner of this of, of Red Bull involved to whatever degree he got involved in, to pull this guy from a championship club who is being looked at by premier level clubs to bring him here and someone who's got a very lengthy history within e- within their EDS system, that's that's I'm so beyond excited about that. I know I'm rambling at this point because I and I just don't give a fuck because I'm just so fucking hyped at the idea of this guy being our fucking manager. Like, I I think for those people, like I know I know the portion of our fan base that gives a shit about Salzburg, let alone actually watches them, is very small. The amount of people who who's that weird and obsessive about EDS to the point where they actually know how life how their whole system works over there are probably just, just losing their fucking mind at this prospect because they know how good their system is over there from, from top to bottom. And that only works if you have quality managers and a quality staff to, to, to connect all those dots. So I'm fucking hyped. I swear to God, if, if he comes here the, the with, with more flexible roster rules with more flexible roster rules specifically targeting young high level players with just a higher budget. I mean, and then on top of that, just a better manager. I don't want to I don't want to get too ahead of myself. However, I will say, there is a realistic potential that 2018 could be a norm. I think that is a realistic potential. I'm not saying we're gonna get there or it will happen. <laughs> I'm just saying that given how the roster construction, the roster rules are, are going and what they are, the type of manager that he is, and, and kind of knowing what he's about, and knowing that what Kevin's vision is so far for this team, and knowing that very clearly the Austrian overlords do, in fact, care about us, I, I, I think the bar is going to get pretty high here. And, and one last thing I'll say. Is a lot since you know transfers, everyone is once talk about transfers and shit. It Jesse was here for what on his third season when he finally got the, the money for, for, for uh for Gaku. I would not be surprised if there's some element of them needing to trust the leadership of that team of, of one of the rebel clubs before they go and start dishing out millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Especially after all the millions they wasted here. On big names and and really didn't win that much. I would not be surprised if we didn't see any real like transfers under Chris Armis and Dennis because it's Chris Armis and Dennis, hearing what this guy has been saying on his way to presumably departing that club in the championship, I don't think it's it's unreasonable to say that we could see a pretty again also tying into the change in the roster rules but giving the rule changes and him and, and and Kevin and a very clear reinvestment into this into this team I would not be surprised if we see a very big change in our transfer budget I, we're not going to be getting 15 18 million dollar guys but we very way we may we very well may see a, a 10 12 million dollar transfer window but just Across a bunch of dudes, a bunch of TAM level players because of the roster changes. I mean, you can get a whole bunch of $10 million players and they, a good portion of them will be a mix of TAM, DP and young DP and whatever other weird young player mechanism that they have that doesn't go against the budget or some weird shit that I don't even remember now. But, um, I, my base, my point was I can see them trusting him and Kevin together to make to make some some real moves on the transfer market and again it's not going to be you know whatever the fuck person you think or some people think but actually spend real money on the transfer market for guys because i they think they're going to trust them as opposed to not trusting chris Armstrong why we really did not see much much movement on that end
0: you know i mean i think uh, uh, uh maybe not going to be so effusive to say uh 2018 will become the norm uh definitely a bit of a Hard lesson learned from that one because, you know, these things can, you know, change very quickly as we've learned.
1: Okay, Uh, let me rephrase um, that real quick then. Maybe not the norm, but we will be a shield contending team every year. That's probably a better way to
0: phrase it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, you know, I mean, like, uh, I would definitely think that, you know, if all goes well, everything's uh, hit, 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 hit hit all the way through, you know, I mean, it's not outside the realms of uh, imagination. At all to say that we'd be at least be restored to the level of uh, competitiveness that we witnessed between 2015 to 2018, which unequivocally, in my book, is the best era in this club's history. You know, I think anybody who disagrees is just being fucking delusional at that point, really. <laughs> um, just being just being frank. Um, but I think you do bring up an interesting point about the transfer budget, right? And what we're looking at with regards to potential transfers. Um, you know I think uh, if there's one thing that's been clear since Stellwell took the job right I think there's definitely been a bit of a shift in our transfer strategy you can already start to see that most of the signings that we've made right we're looking at that um, target window you know like these would be 20 uh, something year old talents kind of flouting around uh, the lower divisions in Europe right I mean you look at the uh, types of guys you brought in you know uh, Pendant Egbo, like both of those guys. Uh, Pendant came in from Ligue 2 in France. I think uh, Egbo was in the, uh, he was under reserves, right? I think of a Bundesliga club before he came over. But but also came up through the Crystal Palace Academy, I think. So it was definitely on some radars. I think was a pretty uh, well-touted prospect before. I think uh, his career just kind of stalled for whatever reason. So, you know, I mean, uh, definitely kind of fell into our laps. But um, then you had Drew Yearwood, who was brought in from Brentford on the young DP designation. I mean, uh, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, you don't even need me to tell you this, that the transfer mm-hmm. strategy has been to zag where the rest of the league has zigged, right? The rest of the league's been looking to South America to replenish their ranks. Um, we've been looking to the lower divisions in Europe, which I think no doubt has uh, been at the direction of not just Thelwell, but also the, um, at the behest of a uh, new head scout, Paul Fernie, right. Who is pretty well versed in, uh, those, uh, lower, um, division, lower division scouting, right. As a result of his, a stint in, uh, the, the three Bundesliga. I don't know how to say that in German. So uh, if anybody wants to help me on that, you can probably send me a tweet or something, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear, right. We have a, we're going to be looking at that as our target going forward. It seems to me that we're going to be a holding pen for exactly um, for prospecting talent, right? Young talent from those lower divisions to potentially groom them into implement them into our tactical system uh, and then potentially move them on like you do for Salzburg and at the I like can do at Salzburg, right? We're probably going to be that holding pen for South, South American slash... Um, Lower European division talent is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, of course, like I would like to see us have the same level of global scale that Salzburg has, because Salzburg pulls guys from like fucking everywhere, right? Like they've basically developed like half the Malian national team at this point <laughs> between Amadou yeah. Haidara and Diadi Um and the list goes on and on, right? I mean, uh, Takumi Minamino, Huang Hee-chan, uh, both of those guys came over from Asia. You still have Masaya Okugawa there under Jesse Marsh's tenure. Um and now, just like firing in goals for fun. You know, all kinds of guys brought in from all over the world. You know, I would like to see, hopefully, us have that same level of uh, global scale in terms of the places that we're looking at. But, you know, if it's even if it's just within the... Um, Even if it is just within the scope of the lower league inks of Europe, I would definitely think that you should be able to unearth a whole bunch of talent there, you know, even just within that scope. And uh, we've been kind of quiet in the South American front in uh, recent years, uh, ever since Kaku was signed. So, I mean, you know, maybe we're not actually going to be uh, looking towards there as much because uh, now that the secret's out and everybody's like trying to raid. South America for their next round of talent, especially at MLS level. Like, uh, it's not as much of a market inefficiency as it once was. So now we've identified a new one in the lower divisions. You know, I think that's probably an indication um, of where we may be headed. Um, But to kind of tie it back to um, the club and the style of play, I mean, uh, it's pretty important to define um, the tactical style right, of, of our new manager, potentially. Uh, would probably be worth discussing at this point because it seems to be, again, 99.9% done. We've seen Struber deploy two main looks for the club, right? His clubs. It's that 442 diamond that we saw at Salzburg, but we've also seen him capable of deploying a three-man back line. And this was a really good connection that I think was uh, built by the impeccable editing team at Once in Metro. Shout out to Cork and Crew. You know, uh, when you talk about how Thelwell basically wrote the book on the 3-5-2, right? And how that's supposed to be adding this level of uh, balance to a pressing squad because it helps to compress the field, right? On both sides. You know, I think it's uh, it's a pretty big indicator that we're bringing in a manager who's not just well-versed in a traditional back four, but is also capable of deploying those five-man sets, right? So we have that 442 diamond we have that 352 struber has deployed that 352 uh in the multiple variations even while he was at barnsley and i think it's pretty indicative of uh, you know i mean of a coherent tactical playstyle once again you know not just from a systemic level but also from a formational level you know and i think that's the important thing to point out is the fact that you can execute the same system in a variety of different formations right the formations aren't as important as the system but having a bunch, but having a bunch of different like uh, looks, right, adds a whole lot to your tactical flexibility in that way. So having someone who's capable of executing both looks, a press with both formations, I mean, I think that's pretty key. But of course, it does mean that we have a whole bunch of uh, reinforcements, right, that we'd have to make. I definitely would think that we'd have to a sort out the midfield balance. Um, I think you could probably build around Drew Yearwood going forward around that position. That seems to be what they're doing. Uh who you place next to him is gonna be a big question mark because I think um he still be served best by bringing in an absolute ball winner. I don't think Christian Casares is a ball winner. I don't think he play I think he's more of a I think he's more of an eight personally, I've helped that standpoint. Um and Yearwood is kind of like a more mobile version of him and Sean Davis. So, you know, I can see Sean Davis being moved down the peg to take on the Shakovsky role because I think uh, Riz is basically damaged goods at this point and should probably be moved on. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, Caceres and. You're with D- and Davis, I think, are primarily eights. You still need a six to be coming in. So then the next big uh, defensive reinforcement, I would probably argue, would have to be bringing in a bunch of defenders. Really, I think. Um, um, we're probably going to need at least one or two additional center backs. And um, no, again, knowing uh, the recent developments at the club, those are probably going to come from the lower divisions of Europe, you know. So um, I'm excited to see uh, who they bring in, what they do under Struber, but know that we're probably going to have to ha- be adapting the personnel of the squad to fit those two looks, right? To have that tactical flexibility to deploy either the four-four-two 2 diamond or that three-man back line, you know, Uh, So, yeah, you know, I mean, certainly one thing to look out for going into this offseason, if Struber does indeed turn out to be the manager, uh, that's probably going to be what the club goes into the offseason in terms of recruiting strategy. I would definitely think that that's uh, the look forward that we have to look into in a more immediate basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's again, I think this kind of ties into what we were talking about before that. um, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a, a reasonable, um, uh, what's the word we're looking for, uh, kind of refresh, I guess, of, of the roster. Uh, I think we're going to see a, a core group of guys go forward, but I really expect some some, some pretty big changes to the roster uh, going into next year. I um, mean, especially after his experience with his with his current club, it, just hearing his comments definitely seems uh, he doesn't seem happy with with with. Uh, the fact that he hasn't really gotten players that, you know, that he was promised to get. And, you know, it's not really a team that's going to be getting, you know, a lot of guys, but I mean, I don't know what his realistic expectation was or what he really was promised. And if he was kind of a little foolish to, to maybe believe, you know, what they promised. Um, But I mean, maybe that's something that lures him into lures him back to Red Bull. They know that, they will spend the money on, on on the right on the right on the right players. So, you know, if I think between him and Kevin, um, they're gonna they're gonna assess very very hard on this current roster, and and make some decisions. I would not be surprised if if we see some some maybe surprises, uh, but I I I'm expecting. I'm expecting some turn, turnover, maybe more than than maybe some of like the the EDS fans would expect, just because well, we, we still have some some good EDS players um, who just haven't used the right way. But I just I don't know. I, I, I we have quite a bit older players than maybe he might be used to. I mean, Long and Parker are going to be a little bit up there in age relative to how you know your typical Red Red Bull uh, uh, team looks, even ours over the years. Um, Royer's getting older. I, if there's one player that I am willing to fucking, I'm, I will probably bet almost anything, uh, within reason, Royer's gone. I, I cannot imagine Royer is going to be back next season if he ends up being the manager. I really think he's probably going to be one of the first players, um, to, to be traded out or sent So I don't know, but I would be shocked if he comes back. Um, but yeah I, I expect big turnover I expect him to 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 kind of come here we know Kevin's been uh, uh, he's already I mean all season been been making you know analyzing things and and whatnot I'm sure he's got a long list of notes for 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 yeah, that he wants to share with whatever manager he decides to bring in um, but yeah it's going to be an interesting offseason this this might be this, this is going to be the most interesting offseason, I think, since uh, since the 2018 into 2019 because uh, at least now we know for sure there is proper leadership, uh, especially if this guy comes in. And we'll just have to see. I don't know. I, 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 feel, I feel like it might be a little hard figuring out who's going to stay and who's going to go. If some guys might be easy just because of age and certain other factors, but I don't know. I think we're going to see quite a bit of uh, – Quite a bit of term going into next season,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, I think um you know again, I think it's part and parcel of the uh part of parcel of the Red bull world, right um, it's uh i mean it, it's it's sort of this thing where um where you can't really get to attached to certain players i think anymore really as much as it kind of bums me out to say that um especially in this day and age where you know i think soccer has become so fucking like um top heavy right that more or less if you're not one of the five or six um clubs in the world that have the capital to just buy everyone else's best players you're more or less have become a feeder club for some for a bigger fish Right, soccer yeah. at this point has never been more hierarchical. It's never been more top-heavy because of how fucking flush with cash like the top part of the pyramid is. So basically, the apex predators in the global in the global hierarchy are going to be your Bayerns. It's going to be your Barcelonas, the Real Madrids, the Manchester Cities of the world, and everybody else is more or less just feeding them, you know. And it and part and parcel of that as well is the fact that. Because of that, the Red Bull ethos is about moving on from players to try and recoup the maximum value that you can. You know, uh, as soon as you, as soon as they've, uh, you know, as soon as you're either past your sell by date, or if they think that they can cash in on someone now to reinvest that money into the next round of players, you know, I think um, as a result of that, you're probably going to start to see a few surprises. Uh, again, I echo that. You're probably going to see a few surprise cuts um, going forward because the simple fact of the matter is, is, you know, uh, this squad is not built to be permanent. The way that this club is built is around the fact that you will um, you'll constantly be have a revolving door of personnel coming in and out, but you'll have an overarching infrastructure to fit them into, right? So, I think. that's sort of been the thing that has kept Salzburg quietly consistent over these years, right? Has been the fact that they've had such, Leipzig and Salzburg both had such strong overarching infrastructure of a tremendous amount of oversight that any manager or any E player who steps through their doors are fit into an overarching philosophy. You know, that philosophy you may defer. It may be deployed in different ways, right, across Leipzig and Salzburg, and even now here in New York and Bragantino. But there are some core semblances, some core philosophical tenets that remain consistent across all sites, you know, across all periods of time, across all managements. And it seems to me that the big thing going forward here in New York is that we have a man who's been brought in to develop that overarching infrastructure, to to maybe give it a bit more semblance to create more permanence, right? I think because uh, we learned from two thousand eighteen. You know, as soon as Jesse Marsh left, you know the club was most definitely not in the position where the infrastructure was quite at the same level of self-sustenance that you saw in Salzburg and Leipzig, right? The the club in its current in, in its current state was still relatively embryonic. It hasn't been quite as well realized as maybe well realized as maybe we thought in two thousand eighteen. Know still, definitely because of that one man behind the scenes who was kind of pulling the whole thing together. We saw glimpses of what it could become. I will say that 2018 was a gaze into that window, right? Of what this mm-hmm. club can become once we've developed that self sustaining infrastructure, which um, hopefully is the end goal of uh, what Kevin Thelwell was running to do. So, oh, um, but we know that uh, because of that, right? because we're not really there yet. That's the most important thing to remember. That's why we're bringing in these two big guns, right? To eventually, build. yeah. No, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no,
1: and, and it's also, I mean, it's also why, I, it's, it's a very uh, under-talked uh, thing since Kevin's been here is the fact that he openly said the first thing he did was really make some big changes to the academy. He wasn't doing anything with the first team. Maybe, maybe you know the whole the whole run of stuff. Uh, you know, dealing with all the COVID weird fake season and the big break and stuff. Maybe that made it easier to do. But he was very straight up in saying that. Pretty much the first thing he did was restructure the academy, and I don't think that's a That's a very important thing, especially when you have someone like, um, uh, you know, potentially Schuber coming over here, where that's that's where he made his his you know the foundation of his career is through. Uh, through salzburg's uh, youth system, so getting that foundation re you know kind of restructured and, and get, kind of get that back back up and going, and then from there now being able to feed that into the first, everything is huge.
0: Yeah, without question you know uh, and I think uh, it's pretty interesting that um one of the little whispers that you hear right I think uh, from an infrastructural standpoint, Red Bull 2 is going younger. You know, like they really are going to try and go all in on this yeah. life ring model where it's like 19 mm-hmm. to 20 year olds uh, against the world. You know, I mean, again, the results of this year show that we're probably not there yet. But on top of that, like, remember, it's not an ideal developmental year. None of the results at Red Bull 2 honestly really fucking matter that much uh, as none of the results really fucking matter. But, you know, I think if anything, it's an indication that... um there's still a lot of things that are still embryonic, I think, at this phase. They're not really quite as well realized or well hashed out. But, you know, I mean, I think uh, my big hope in the next two or three years with the Thelwell and Struber, so long as they're here, is that we start to become, we start to see more solidification of that. Right, maybe our RB two really does become uh, the sol- the leafering of uh, the Americas, you know, churning out uh, academy talent and uh, interesting young prospects that are brought in to be fit into the system, and you see that translate over into the senior team. You know, I think um, at the end of the day, big thing for me is uh, <clears throat> the winning is usually um, a product, right, of systemic excellence. You know, it's the ability to execute a tactical philosophy well. It's the ability that build that synergy between personnel and the way you play in the field. You know, winning is a byproduct of fitting all of those things things together. You know? It's not the end all be all all. It's usually um you know, I think a team that's obviously not very well integrated, has a few bunch of talent mismatches, is gonna lose a lot of games. But a ta- but a team that uh, you know, has a Sets out to play a certain way with talent that can support that level of the play, the way they want to play. It's actually going to win a lot of games, you know. So I think um, that's more or less going to be my my hopes for the next two or three years. Right? We 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 get restored to that level of systemic, uh, the, the, that level of excellence that we saw in two thousand eighteen. That ability to to execute that system flawlessly with players and a man, with a manager that understands the personnel that's needed to execute it and players who can excel within its bounds you know um yeah. i really i really think that there's a proof of concept here that can be worked with 2018 oddly enough seems to be a prototype in retrospect but now that seems to be what we should be building towards it really feels odd for me to be calling 2018 the best season in club history a prototype but you know i think that's the end goal is like you said Touching upon it, making that the norm. We're not really at that level yet. I hope to be at that level when Schubert and Thel will have uh, written their last sentences for New York. But we're most definitely not in a position, I think, where we're going to be reaching that level even within one or two seasons. You know, it's going to be four or five years, maybe even a whole. Yeah, it's going to be at least four or five years before we get to that level. I mean, we can certainly start winning again next season. We can definitely become a Shield contender overnight within the space of a year. But reaching that level of sustained excellence over a larger window of time, easier said, easier said than done. It's a much longer, much wider window that we're looking at. You know, I think because uh, cause even within that, you know, the league's always going to find new ways to adapt to you, and it's your job to continuously evolve, you know, to reach that level of sustained excellence. Um, I hope that that's where we get within, uh, when all is said and done. And that's really all I have to say about that. Do you have anything else to add?
1: You want to laugh? Sure. Okay. So I went on the transfer market uh, page for for the team just to just to look at the age group because I, I think age is going to be a pretty big, Big part of the, the the roster policy going forward. If he does come here, um, we definitely have a. This has got to be the oldest team we've had in a while. But that's not even the point. You know how much they have Daniel Royer listed on a transfer market for his value? Two point seven five million.
0: You know if, if someone's going to pay us three million dollars for Danny Royer right now, like I just say, fucking do it, man. Dude, like <laughs> if, if they can
1: somehow get almost $3 million for 30-year-old Danny Royer, fuck, I swear to God, just throw him in a bag. Mail his fucking clothes and just, like just do it. Just pull the trigger. I'll, I'll come back to uh,
0: America just to deliver for you, and I can't drive. <laughs> so you know that, w-
1: that would be some fucking shit. <laughs> it to get that much.
0: This is how Metrofan TV dies—not with a whimper, but with a bang, literally. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It'd be like a bang all over again. Like, you actually find somebody to fucking pay that kind of money for him? That would be amazing. That, I mean, he's, a, he's a good player, but he's 30 years old. Who the fuck's in seriously pen? Spend $3 million. Dude, like, you, I don't even know if he would get $3 million allocation money at this point.
0: Probably not. But, you know, I mean, there are a lot of really desperate clubs out there who won a proven goal yeah. scorer, right? Uh, has constantly hit double-digit goals in MLS level, besides being a secondary weapon, the last few years. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like there are, are enough, quote-unquote, clueless folks who will just look at the uh, numbers on the page and be like, oh, my God, he's so good without realizing that he's basically our version of Clint Dempsey, right? <laughs> Great paper production, but you watch him play the games, and you're like, oh, my fucking like, God, what, like, fuck? what is he doing yeah. Like half the time, right? Like, <laughs> and, that, and those uh, kinds too. of players have a premium. So, you know, I mean, I uh, used yeah. to say the FCC won't like, uh, give us like a million dollars for Danny Royer's services.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, hey, he'll feel at home, will be fucking cold.
0: Yeah, exactly, and we are all around the uh, German cosplayers and shit. (laughs) They're fucking weird ass uh, faux German shit. That's fucking so weird, man. Like, like it's just like Oktoberfest larpers, basically. This all goes around right there. (laughs) Fucking weird ass place, dude. Like, like like, you know, you know, like I was in, I was in Ohio, right, for that USL Cup for that USL Cup semifinal, and like it's probably one of the weirdest towns I've ever been in. Because there's just fucking nothing there, right? Like, there's a semblance. Like like, 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 imagine, like, Jersey City, right? But it's only, like, the area around, like, the train station. And then from there, it's just, like, a bunch of nothing. Like, it's just suburbs <laughs> and shit. Like, that's how... And then it's filled with all these guys pretending to be German. Like, what the fuck, dude? I don't know, man. Like, like Ohio is a weird-ass it's, place, dude. So, yeah. It is, man. I think it's <laughs> an, an awkward fucking place. Weird ass place. Don't eat the chili, man. It fucking almost killed like half the group that we were with. Shout out to Chris. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> this, this, this is peak white culture here. You know, I'm going to put like fucking inedible. I'm going to put dog food on noodles and put a bunch of cheese over it and say that this is chili. <laughs> like no, It's not even chili because they don't even put any fucking spice in it. Like. Wait, uh, wait, what the fuck? The dude? <laughs> they put pepper. They not a, they put some pepper.
1: And they're like, oh, oh. guys, you got some spice.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I'd like less pepper, please, because it really upsets my tongue. If you put too much spice in it, and I'll get diarrhea. Fake ass place. Just nuke Ohio. I you know, we President Xi. We have... nuke the Midwest. So don't <laughs> the fuck, <dude. laughs>
1: we're we're gonna have we're gonna have a team of like. I want to say mostly, but I'd say close to half. If yeah, probably forty percent of the team is gonna be like twenty-six or older,
0: Yeah, you know, like
1: some of like most of the starters.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's that's too old, really. I think
1: R- Riz is gonna be thirty-one on March second. Royer is gonna be thirty-one on May twenty-second. Um, Mara is gonna be thirty, actually, in about a month. The back line uh, and the Jensen's, goalkeepers
0: as well, right? I think like Long's pushing Long's twenty eight this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, gonna be twenty this year.
1: Yep, he'll be twenty nine at the start of next season. Te- uh, Amaro'll be twenty nine at the start of next season or soon after. Long turns twenty eight like next week, the day after my birthday. Yeah. Um, shit, oh my god, Sean Davis is gonna be—he's gonna be twenty eight. What the fuck?
0: Yeah, dude. That's kind of scary, man.
1: <laughs> That's weird, man. Velo, bro, Velo's gonna—he's gonna be twenty-eight. by right before, he will be twenty-eight when preseason starts, February twelfth. Parker's gonna be twenty-eight in February.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's Kendall, no, sorry,
1: Kendall, the the keeper that I has never actually played with us. Even he's gonna be like twenty-seven. Okay. Rock will be twenty-six.
0: Honestly, I, I 26. totally forgot about the existence of Kendall McIntosh to be honest yeah he's but
1: has he even even played he hasn't played with rebel too right not
0: neither team no like like Ah, poor poor guy (laughs) (laughs) that's that's showbiz baby that's the quarantine season for you i mean so i guess on that note i think that kind of that kind of about wraps it up you know i think uh, we can expect quite a fair bit of clear out i think more a much deeper cleaning than i think uh a lot of people might have anticipated, I think, uh, coming into this uh, period of time, this season. But, you know, I mean, I I, I, I am convinced, you know, I think uh, if Gerhard Schubert is indeed our guy, like, I do think that it's not that happier times could very well be on your way again. Uh, I'm going to look like a total dick, like, when this episode comes out and it's Jorge Simão instead, because I. I'm going to be quite frank about this. Dude. I know nothing about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I, I tell you what, I actually sat when the, I, I sat and watched cause I have absolutely no life, but the baby was actually taking a nap. So I'm like, uh, let me, let me do something useless. Um, so I saw it, it was like a 40 minute interview. There's this really awkward, weird interview with him and some, uh, some Belgian dude who, who's a manager in, um, in Saudi for I don't even know how many fucking years now. And it was some like Saudi reporter guy asking him just some very like, just very weird questions. Um, I got like legit grifter dirtbag vibes from this guy. Like you can make like a dirtbag movie off this guy. He just, I don't know. Just, I got like a weird like fraud kind of vibe. To, I, I, I don't know. I know nothing about this guy at all. And I'm probably a dick for even like making that kind of assumption but i it's going to take a lot of convincing for me to think that this guy is 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 going to be the one just you just kind of i feel like just when you listen to someone talk about the game and like their vision and stuff i feel like if if you're not captivated you're not pulled in how do you expect players to be yeah. you know we're fans we're suckers bro we'll we'll, we'll fucking we'll eat anything up if, if it sounds fucking good enough Players aren't, you know, they're not stupid. You really got to, you really got to fucking, you got to sell it to them. And I'm just sitting there just watching this guy talk and it's like, fuck. (laughs) No, (laughs) please. No. And and his record, I mean, it's not impressive. I don't, there's nothing notable at all about his career. I mean, and, and just for the record, like I'm, I'm, look, Jesse had a shitty record before he took over the team. So I'm not one to like, put all of the weight into that but at least with jesse he's he was kind of like a golden retriever you know like he just kind of had this vibe to him. it's like you know what i'm gonna root for this guy just i don't know he just has something right when you hear him talk and and talk about yeah we're gonna fucking play like a like a can of edit uh, fucking red bull like you're you're crazy for saying that but i fucking respect it you know like you you hear a guy talk about their vision and 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 even if you sound kind of crazy like you can gain a little like level of respect that like, I just listened to this guy talk, and I was like, "Fuck!" I, I actually wasted forty minutes of my life. So my my expectations for this guy is not high. So I, I I'm extremely hoping we don't get this fucking guy, and it's it's it's
0: uh it's Ruber, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, you talk about the grift when you see how aggressive his agent has apparently been, like trying to slide in people's DMs about rumors and shit. Like, definitely just trying yeah. to get his next payday, and that's kind of a no go for me. Um, yeah, I. Not not good vibes, man. Like, legit dirtbag vibes from this fucking guy. Like, Which yeah. I guess is uh, why it's exciting that the smoke seems to be blowing towards uh, Struber, more so than Simao. Um, I guess we'll see on Monday, and I guess it's uh, going to be um, what we cap off on. Uh, so I think, I mean, I guess the road ahead, Like, not much left to go in the season, but apparently, according to Stephen Goff, uh, the move's going to be announced on Monday. So uh, stay tuned, because I think uh, that's going to be... It's going to be cataclysmic, really. I think uh, I haven't been this excited about a transfer since uh, Kaku Watch ended. I'm going to Mm -hmm. be quite honest with you. I do think that, you know, I mean, if, again, it all goes according to how I think it's going to go in my head. Like, this is going to be the start of a new era. And it's going to be quite a bright one, you know. But, of course, uh, we're going to have to see what happens when a ball is kicked. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, but we can definitely, but it's nice seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and I think this is definitely that, right? We can definitely start to envision life after the last two years of uh, just absolute cacophonic bullshit, really, in yeah. soccer form.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I understand why, why, I understand like why some people are kind of like, ugh, about so much, you know, uh, about the season and, you know, Look, I, no one ever wants to see their team actually lose. So, they ever wants their team to win and root for them and blah, blah, blah. It's the nature of being a sports fan. So, I, you know, if 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 I take a step back, I get why some people are, you know, still kind of frustrated and blah, 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 But if you're listening to this, I beg of you, please, take a step back and just change your perspective. This is a fake season. There's nothing legitimate about this season
0: at all. Except for Gerhard and, Struber. Yeah,
1: <laughs> And... and and, and, and that really is the most important thing that will happen this whole season. We're not gonna win a trophy. And whoever does win a trophy this year, like, okay, fucking like high five. I I, I can play I can throw a fucking soccer tournament in my backyard and, and that's as legitimate as the MLS Cup this year. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> I know I'm like I know I've always been kind of like an MLS Cup hater, but you know, there's a little bit of element of that, it's just it's kind of a bit, but I do kind of don't think it's a I do think it's a bit of a stupid championship, but whatever. But this year, like, for real, for real, it's pointless. This, this, there's nothing valid about this fucking season. So I ask everyone, take a step back. And especially if this guy comes in, just understand at least there's something tangible that we can look forward to. At least we can say there's some kind of plan. There's no guarantee it's going to work. There's never a guarantee that way. There's never. There's no guarantee it's going to work. There's no guarantee we are going to be, you know, pushing again more towards uh, to, uh, the 2018 kind of season. There's no guarantees for any of that. But at the very least, we're not seeing a rudderless ship like we've seen at the very least since the beginning of last year. That's, that's done. There's an actual talented person who has been given the keys to make decisions for this club. Hopefully, We do, in fact, get Schubert, and you may not think that's the most ambitious appointment, whatever, but again, perspective. At the very least, acknowledge that Kevin wants this team to go back to a very, very, very core identity. He wants his team to to be a certain something, and he is going to appoint a manager, hopefully, that's going to, at a very high level, potentially, achieve that vision be happy that there is a vision because even still, most clubs in this league do not have a fucking vision. Atlanta does not have a fucking vision throwing 15, 16, $17 million dollars at random fucking dudes from South America who just disappear into nothingness. <clears throat> that's not a vision. Look at their team. Now they're fucking garbage. NYCFC garbage. No fucking vision. So perspective. Yeah. Whatever happens, this season happens we are hopefully on a positive path. We have real things to look forward to. We're going to have so many questions that have to be answered next se- uh, for next season. Who's coming? Who's staying? Does our transfer policy actually change? Are we going to look at how much of a different tactical look are we going to see? Is it really going to be even more aggressive than what we saw before? Is it going to be something just even completely different that we don't even expect? There's so much to look forward to. Fuck this season. Nothing is real even extending beyond fucking sports like this is all bullshit fuck this year fuck the season fuck everything <laughs> calm down watch the fucking team drink some fucking beer high five your fucking kid your wife your boyfriend whoever the fuck <laughs> enjoy the fact that you're alive and fuck 2020 and that's it that's it that's that, that's all i gotta say
0: <laughs> wow uh, yeah uh, not, not, um, Yeah, you, you haven't had a loss of words there. So I guess I'll leave you off with this, guys. We're getting right back to where we started from. Metrofan TV saying peace out, good night, and I hope Donald Trump dies of coronavirus. Peace. <laughs>